refer to that. So today's message, uh, entitled The New You, uh, was actually planned months ago, and I didn't know when we planned it that we were going to be having a, a baptism this morning. Um, but it uh, certainly, the message certainly fits with our events today. Uh, January 1st, New Year's Day, is, uh, holds a lot of importance for us, I think, in our culture uh, in a lot of ways. It's, uh, in some ways, it's just another date on the calendar, right? Just another day to live, another day to serve the Lord, another day. Um, but, uh, but we tend to have ideas when we turn over to a new year. We tend to have these ideas about how this year, you know, this year is going to be different, right? And, uh, you know, maybe we say we want to be more disciplined. We want to eat more healthily. We want to exercise more. We want to, uh, you know, kick a habit, a bad habit. We want to, uh, you know, get our finances in order this year. We want to uh, be more disciplined in our spiritual life. Whatever it is, we tend to say, all right, it's a new, new day, new year. We're going to start something fresh, right? What we, what we really want is a new me, right? We want a new me. I mean, you don't all want a new me necessarily. You might, but, but we all want a new me, right? Um, and... Uh, and uh, we tend to believe that, you know, with a, with a change of year, our level of motivation will be different to be, to be different this year, to be a different person this year. Um, it might help. It might help. But if you're like me, past patterns have shown that a date change is not necessarily enough of a change agent to make us a new person. With, with a lot of effort, we can certainly make significant changes in our lives, but changes into what? Right? Changes into another self-made me. But the Bible tells us that there is a new me that has already been made. There's a new you that's already been made. Um, we can keep trying to be our own savior and make ourselves new, or we can let Jesus be our savior and, and let him remake us from the inside out like him. Right? Thank you. Thank you, Mark. Um, it's really quiet in this room. I don't know if, if any of... The rest of you want to come up and try this, but it's really hard to do when it's this quiet. So I'm going to need you to work with me and help me, okay? All right, there we go. Thank you. Um, so the challenge is, in order for me to put on the new self, I have to be willing to put off the old self, Right? Uh, and so we're going to look at a few scriptures today that, uh, that help us understand what that's all about. We're going to go, first of all, to Ephesians chapter 4. So if you've got Bibles or Bible apps, 
Go to Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 17. Ephesians 4, verse 17. And we start. So Paul writes, So I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord. So he's pretty serious here, right? I'm telling you it, and I'm insisting on it. Something really important coming. That you must no longer live as the Gentiles do. Now, in his culture, what he's saying is unbelievers, right? That's what he's saying when he, what he means when he says the Gentiles. So, you must no longer live as unbelievers do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. Now, that's not the way we use ignorant, right? But just the lack of knowledge, right? The, the lack of understanding or knowledge that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, spiritual sensitivity, they have given themselves over, Paul says, to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity and they are full of greed. Now, that's not saying those, those people out there, they're terrible like that. That's to say all of us are that without Christ, right? It's not a finger-pointing passage. It's a we're all in the same boat without Christ. And if you've come to know Christ, Paul is saying um, you should no longer live as the Gentiles or the unbelievers do. What's he saying? Well, he's writing this because there were people in Ephesus where he was writing this letter to that were claiming to be followers of Jesus, but were living no differently than the world. He was saying, this is a problem I'm addressing right now. You're, some of you are living as though you're still in the world, but you should no longer do that. There should be a change, right? Um. Our lives cannot be transformed. Our lives cannot be victorious if we are living, as Paul says here, for our own sensual cravings, our own fleshly desires. And if our lives look no different than the lives that we had before Christ or the lives of those who don't yet know Christ, where where. Their, their personal happiness is the central defining goal of their lives. That's what the world lives for. That's what we lived for before Christ. My own personal happiness. Right? To fulfill the cravings and desires of my heart. And that becomes for much of the world, the central defining pursuit of our lives. But Paul says this is, this is no way to find true life, and it's no way for the follower of Jesus to live. Right? So he goes on to write more. In verse 20, That, however, 
what we just described. That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in Him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, and to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Okay? So Paul says, that's not the way of life that you were taught, that you learned. The way of life. Um, what we're talking about here today is not religion, but a way of life. Okay? Um, you can't actually live different if your Christian faith is a religious thing you do once a week or three times a day or whatever it is, but it must be an allegiance to Jesus and His ways 24-7. An allegiance to Jesus and His ways that touches everything you think and say and do. Right? It has to permeate our being. My life is His. My life is for Him. I don't just, you know, slip into my religious box for a couple hours a week and then feel better about myself and go on the same as I was. That's not going to change us ever. It might make us feel better about ourselves for a few hours, but it's not going to change us, right? But Paul says, you were taught, you were taught. Now, here's a question. Are we adequately teaching people how to live this life? Right? That's a question right now as a leadership team at Evangel, we're asking that question of ourselves as, as, a, as a church. Are we adequately teaching people how to live this life? We're taking a long... One of our themes this year is discipleship. That's one of the reasons we're doing this book. Because this is a deep dive on discipleship. Well, what, Pastor, what does discipleship mean? It means being a student of Jesus and His ways. That's what discipleship is. Jesus called His his followers, disciples, it meant people who are students of his, of his teachings and his way of life, right? And so we're asking, you know, this is a big theme for us this year. We're going into this year, 2022, saying we need to do better, I believe, as a church. I think, I think all churches need to do better at this, but we can only take responsibility for us, right? We need to do better at adequately teaching people to live a Jesus life. And what does that look like? Right? So, um, so are we truly training up disciples, students, followers of Jesus? 
But Paul is saying here, um, what, what he's saying here, I think, is he's laying out the, the, the discipleship process, the learning how to follow Jesus process, uh, really simply. He says, first of all, you need to put off your old self and recognize how corrupt it is. Then he says you need to be made new in the attitude of your mind. The patterns of thinking that we have. Right? So, so we may say, I want to follow Jesus, but if we're still, if our patterns of thinking are still saying, my happiness is the most important thing in my life, then, then we're going to try and follow Jesus while still trying to serve me and it's not going to work we need to be made new in the attitude of our minds what are my new priorities as a follower of jesus what is my new way of thinking as a follower of jesus so put off my old self and its corruption change my way of thinking and then he says put on the new self Created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Right? It will not do to try and be a Christian the way that you might try to be a Habs fan. Or a Leafs fan. Or Senators fan. Go, sends, go. Um, it's not going to do to be a Christian the way that you might be a sports fan. We can't make Jesus one of our interests and just tack him onto our lives along with all the clutter of all the other allegiances and values and things that matter to us, and he's just another one of those. That will never work. Um, if Jesus is not everything to us, He's really not anything to us. That's worth saying again. If Jesus is not everything to us, He's really not anything to us. Jesus doesn't want to be the buddy that you call up when you're in trouble and ignore the rest of, your of the time, right? He wants to be the main pursuit of of our lives. He needs to be for our sake. And then Paul says, he goes on in verse 25, he says, therefore, since all this stuff we've just said is true, therefore, each of you must put off, put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who's been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. Interesting. So, the, so there are real-life consequences, real-world consequences to choosing Jesus and His ways 
and his life, his life working in us and through us. It means we can't live selfishly and greedily anymore if we're going to be followers of Jesus, right? Um, it's interesting Paul, that Paul has to tell people that if they're going to follow Jesus, they can't lie to each other anymore, and they can't steal from each other anymore, and they can't be, you know, angry and unforgiving towards each other anymore. It's, it's interesting that he has to say that. Right? We might, we might read this and go, like, how dumb are these people that he's writing to, right? But then sometimes how dumb are we? Right? We have our Jesus time in the morning, and then we go out, and the first time somebody ticks us off, we want to just rip their heads off, right? We want to we wanna give it to them, sock it to them, right? We, you know, that, that anger boils up, and we, you know... Or we want to just, you know, just, just sugarcoat the truth a bit because, you know, we want to look good. And, uh, and, and the reality is all of us need to hear these words. All of us need to be challenged that sometimes our profession of our faith in Christ doesn't line up with our lifestyle choices, Right? And Paul is saying that, that it's time to be all or nothing. It's time to, to live this, walk this out. The ways of Jesus, not just some belief system, not just some ideology, but the ways of Jesus to actually follow Him, right? Um, so the problem is we are often trying to play a balancing act. We're trying to keep the old self and the new, trying to keep the old self alive while trying to, trying to do the new self thing, right? And we're, we're, we, we don't want to let go of these selfish desires that have been our, our sucky blanket for all of our lives, right? Our, our security, we don't want to let go of this. But yeah, we, we want Jesus, but we're trying to do this balancing act. And it won't work. It won't work. Um, we're, we, um, it's not enough to let, you know, we, we want Jesus, but sometimes not enough to let go of what we think will bring us happiness. But really won't. So let's, we're going to skip over to Colossians because Paul writes something very similar and I want, to, I want to dive into this passage too in Colossians chapter 3. Colossians 3 verse 1. We're going to read... 3 verse 1, we're going to read of Colossians chapter 3. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Isn't that interesting? How many know you're still going to, we're all going to, we're going to die, right? Death rate's 100%. 
unless Jesus comes back and transforms us, you know. But, but other than that, death rate's 100%. We're all going to die. And then there's a resurrection. So, so we will be raised with Christ, but Paul says here, you have been raised with Christ. What does that mean? Well, we just had a demonstration of it this morning, didn't we? Didn't we talk about the fact that baptism is being identifying with the death of Christ and going down under the water and, and identifying with the resurrection of Christ, that the resurrection life of Jesus has already started on the inside of you, right? And he put his spirit in you to enable you and empower you to live the Jesus life. Because only Jesus can live the Jesus life. But He's now on the inside of you. And you have now been raised with Christ, it says. So He says, since you have now been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, For you died, whatever day you made that you said yes to Jesus, that was the day of your death and resurrection, right? For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. So the question that comes out of that short passage is, where is your mind set? Where is your heart set? Right? What matters to you more than anything, and what do you think about more than anything? If it's, on, if it's truly on things above, then we will live for, for an eternal reality. That will, be, that will be the reality we live from. But if our mind and our hearts are set on earthly things, we will live from that framework, from that reality. And we'll just be all about grab all you can, can all you get, and sit on your can. Right? And the proof of where our minds and our hearts are set, the proof, as they say, is in the pudding. Right? It's in how we actually live. The choices that we make, the things that we do, are going to show our hearts, going to show what our values are, going to show what's important to us. It's not in how many Bible verses we can quote or what theology we can defend. But do I live like Jesus and do I love like Jesus? Right? So Paul goes on in Colossians 3, verse 5. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Literally, in the Greek it says in your flesh. Okay? Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your flesh, your, 
your, your, your selfish desires. Sec- and then he, he goes into a list. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, he says, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourself of all such things as these. And he gives another list. Anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge, in knowledge in the image of its creator. All right, so very similar to what Paul said in Ephesians. That, um, that we need to put to death the deeds, the behaviors that, that belong to our fleshly, selfish, greedy, sensual desires. Since you have taken off your old self and put on your new self, which is being renewed, he says, in, the, in knowledge, in the image of its creator. When you come to Christ, when you and I come to Jesus and say yes to Him, being our Savior and our Lord, when we come to Christ, we are reconciled to God, we're reconnected with our Creator, with our Source, with, with our Lord, um, and He puts His Spirit on the inside of us, and He begins a massive renovation work. Knocking out walls, right? Ripping up floors, enlarging rooms, doing renovation on the inside of us. And all, all the potential, I don't know why my mic keeps cutting out like that, but all the potential for goodness and righteousness is in you because the Spirit of God is in you. It's not in you because of you, but it's in you because He's in you. And you now, in fact, Scripture says, uh, I love this passage in, uh, if I can quote it off the top of my head, um, 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might in Him be the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's the great exchange. That He became what we were so that we might become what He is. And folks, you now are In Christ, you are the righteousness of God. Wow. Isn't that a powerful truth? And so really, as we go about our day, our big question should be, how would the righteousness of God handle this situation? 
right? What would the righteousness of God do when this person did this to me or said this to me? Not my own righteous indignation, but the righteousness of God, right? You now have inside of you all the potential for goodness and righteousness. But as we learned, as we learned from Paul's writings, as we're talking about it today, um, it's still possible, very possible, to choose to live out of our old nature and our old framework instead of out of the righteousness of God. Right? It's up to you and I to choose. What am I going to live out of today? And it's a daily choice. It's not like you make the choice once and then you go on autopilot for the rest of your life. But it's a daily, moment-by-moment choice of am I going to choose to live out of my new nature? Live out of who I am in Christ, right? God will give you all the power to be good and godly. All you need to do is make the choice. What am I going to live out of today? You you don't have in your own strength the ability to be righteous and godly, but you have Jesus on the inside of you, right? So if you choose, I'm going to live out of the life of Christ in me today. In this moment, I'm going to choose the Jesus life, the Jesus way. Then that's what is going to manifest in your life, in your choices. Right? Um, again, the, the passage, like the, like the passage in, in Ephesians, this passage in Colossians goes on to say that there are some consequences to choosing Christ. Verse 12 says, Therefore, right, since you're, if you're choosing to put off your old self, put on the new self, and live the new you, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. What does it mean to clothe ourselves in those things? Well, it means, first of all, they're not natural. It's not natural for you to be compassionate, kind, humble, gentle, patient. Anybody find that? Right? That's not our natural self. That's our supernatural self. And we actually have to clothe ourselves with those things. Using, Sorry, I'm going to grab... Where's that mic? Um, We have to actually clothe ourselves with those things by choosing to live out of our new self. 
Um, then he goes on to say, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Again, we can't agape love, the, the God kind of love, the Bible kind of love. We can't do that ourselves. It's not natural. We need to put it on and choose to love our family, our neighbors, and even, as Jesus said, our enemies. Right? In 2022, I want to challenge you and I to learn to clothe ourselves in Christ. To live the new you. Romans 13, verse 14 says exactly that. It says, rather clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. And do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. Clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, if we, you know, the world will tell us, just about every Disney movie will tell you to follow your heart. And I want to tell you that is a dangerous and destructive thing to do. But instead, we need to clothe ourselves with Christ and to follow Him. Let's stand. If we... Uh, if we truly want our life to count for Jesus and His kingdom. And I want to suggest to you today that, that we need to stir up a hunger for Him. Folks, if, if you're going into, on day two of 2022, if you're not more hungry for Jesus than anything else, then I want to challenge you and I stir up a hunger for Him. Stir it up. Talk to your, talk to your heart like the psalmists did. Say, wake up, my soul. Praise the Lord, my soul. Hunger for Jesus, my soul. To stir ourselves up and awaken ourselves to the life of God in Christ. Because if we go into 2022 on autopilot, following our hearts, it will be at least as bad as any year before now. But if we choose to put on Christ every day in 2022, it will be, I would suggest, a better year than you've had yet.
Anybody up for that? <laughs> Want a better year than you've had yet? Right? So to stir up a hunger for Jesus, to continually choose Him and His ways over everything else, even what our natural desires want. And He will give you the power to be the new you that has already been put on the inside of you. But the choice is up to us. Amen? So I want to I want to thank those of you who joined us on live, live stream as well and I want to pray for all of us for those those that are at home those that are here I want to pray for us for the year ahead God I thank you that you have ordained good things for us in 2022 And you have invited us into those good things. We know that that doesn't mean that everything's always going to work out the way we want it to work out. But it does mean that if we trust you and follow you every step of the way, even when it's hard, even when it's painful and difficult. God, You are going to put on the inside of us everything we need to live good and godly lives that bring good and healthy fruit in the year ahead. God, I pray for every person here in this room and every person that will watch this message and listen to this message. God, you would, you would give us the courage to choose Jesus and His ways every day. To clothe ourselves with Christ. And to be students who learn to walk in the footsteps of Jesus. Thank You for the power that You've put on the inside of us. Thank You that we have been raised with Christ. You have done Your part. And now, we choose to do ours. To set our minds and our hearts on things above. Not on earthly things. To live for eternal purposes. To live out of the new me. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I hope you've been encouraged and challenged by that powerful word today. And that as I was thinking of where do we go from here, I was just thinking.